I'm Anahit, award-winning U.S. and European certified floral designer, entrepreneur, and your host to Viva La Floral Live podcast. If you are a florist, floral farmer, floral business owner, or simply a floral enthusiast, you are in the right place, my friend. We help you by providing insights through industry professionals, their stories, and useful tips. We bring you the art and business of flowers. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. Today, I'm welcoming Amy Bolster to the show. I've been dying to talk to Amy. I've known her for quite some time and I've seen her go from an amazing designer to an educator and now to a flower coach. So I, you know, wanted to bring her story to you because I know it is really interesting and I know a lot of you can relate. What I wasn't really expecting is during this conversation, how real things got and how fast, honestly. And I, you know, it kind of makes you pause and think a little bit about your own journey, right? And I don't have any other words for that. It was, it was absolutely heartfelt, an amazing conversation. And I truly hope you get out of this interview what I got out of when I was talking to um, Amy. Without further ado, here's Amy, the flower coach. Hey, Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I think I was finishing saying and we lost internet and then we got back <laughs> on it. So that was really strange. But I think I finished saying that, you know, I've known you for quite some time yeah. and it's taken me forever to get to talking to you. And what a perfect timing. It is. At your career. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, lots has changed. I, I, I know. I'm very excited to dive into all of that. I mean, I feel like the whole world has been making pivots and everything. I feel like you've been making pirouettes and everything. So, <laughs> so talk to us a little bit. What's happening in your career right now? I mean, you're at such a really pivotal moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what happened? What led to all of that? <laughs> yeah. So thanks for the question. That is, feels like a lot of us are having kind of identity crisis, you know, existential crisis of what am I doing? What's what's happening with my career? What am I doing with flowers? There's a lot of reevaluating going on of the floral industry and, you know, lots of new people entering the industry and some people exiting. And there's just a lot of movement and shifting that's happened this year. So a couple of years ago, I started teaching and I really just found a, a home in, in teaching. I really loved having to be challenged with finding the words behind the why in design and really thinking more deeply about how to communicate with somebody else who I was helping explain not just why I did something, but also explained why they did something and why some designs were more successful than others based on you know using the principles and elements of design as a foundation. And so I kind of, I started really teaching out of, I felt like necessity. I was meeting more and more friends and people in the industry that were still struggling. They had been to conferences, they've been to workshops, and they just still felt like they hadn't really unearthed the why behind um, a certain aesthetic they were trying to get to. And so it started really small, um, just literally like in a hotel room at a conference, I started helping some friends and they're like, you really should do this. Like, professionally. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. There's so many people teaching and, and I, you know, I'll just make, it's more noise in the industry. And I don't think really anybody needs what I have to say, you know? And they're like, no, really, like you really should, you really should look into this. And so with the encouragement of some friends and a mentor really kind of pushed me into it and just like, you know, you, you have something to share and you should, you should really share that I really started and, you know, more and it's just kind of snowballed from there. More and more students have found me, more florists have found me. And I've really found that my years of being a designer has sort of culminated into this new passion for me of really helping other designers find their voice, helping other designers find their footing or their confidence or help them understand how to achieve that result, that very specific result they're looking for in their design work. So pre-pandemic, I was traveling all over the country, teaching at workshops and speaking and hosting my own series of, of joint workshops that I was teaching with my friends at Sweet Village. They were teaching the business. I was teaching the design. And 
man, things were busy. I was on the road a lot. And I will say as much as I really loved doing that, I was definitely missing home. And I was starting to feel a little bit burned out by being gone a lot. My seven-year-old was definitely feeling that and reminding me, hey, do you still love us? You know, he had said some really impactful things that were like, Oh, this is, it's time for me to kind of reevaluate my travel schedule. And so, you know, pandemic hit, we had a full schedule year. I had a lot on the books and there were a lot of things I had booked out. There were a lot of travel plans, but there were also some, some other things in the works and everything, of course, came to a screeching halt, lots of refunds. (laughs) You know, I Mm -hmm. processed an enormous amount of refunds in one month and it was it was a tough month. I know that yeah. the audience can relate to this when you're like, you know, those are some hard first months when you're issuing refunds to people that were like, it was different for me. I was not going to hold a penny of anybody's money. I was working with florists and they were struggling with the dealing with their own refunds. And I refunded every penny. I mean, I certainly wasn't going to keep money from, from my fellow peers. And that was a tough month of realizing, gosh, I've pivoted away from wedding work and I'm teaching full time right now. And this is my income. And what is that going to look like if I can't do that anymore? Mm -hmm. And so there were some, there were some real moments of like, I think identity crisis of just concern for our industry concern, not just for my, my business, but wow, where do we go from here? What is going to happen to um, this industry that I love and all the many people that have built a life and career in our work and what's going to happen to them. And it just, as you know, it's just been a really devastating year. So personally, you know, it was challenging professionally, but personally really uh, important for me to be home with my son. We right. pulled him out of school and we spent a lot of time cultivating a garden and doing yard work because we couldn't leave the house. Really. So we finally put in the garden that we'd always talked about. We finally cleared the, you know, many trees and overgrowth of brush in our yard that we had neglected for, you know, the few years we've lived in this house. And we really bonded as a family kind of came together and I spent really quality time with my family that I didn't realize I was really missing in needed. It's interesting, you know, as an extrovert, you can travel and be busy and be surrounded by people, but not really connecting with others, you know, in a meaningful way. And I think that's where I was kind of starved for that, even though I was constantly surrounded by people, I was really missing that kind of rooted core home that I really needed. And so I tend to be a bit of a workaholic and I tend to, you know, be really driven and can be like a little codependent with my work. Like I want to solve all the problems and I want to help all the people and kind of lack boundaries sometimes. And so, you know, I have let myself get swept up in my work and it was kind of a good thing for me to be forced into reevaluating why I was doing what I was doing, create some new boundaries around that, but also have to get creative with how I could still teach. And right. started a virtual okay boot camp has been my course for a long time, my hands-on workshop. And I was really nervous. Like, how do I do this on a Zoom call? I, I'm so tactile and I'm such a hugger and I'm so like intense. And I'm like, I want to be with people and I want to like grab their stuff and ha- hash it out. And to do that on a Zoom call, I just thought, I don't know if this is possible. And a really helpful florist or florist and wholesaler on the East Coast named the Floral Reserve was willing to help me figure out how to ship flowers around the country in a very small amount so that I could effectively, you know, price this and be able to get people flowers. And so we started and I launched it and we sold the first one out. And then we started another one and we sold the second one out and we sold every one of them out (laughs) for months now, which is amazing. And it's been incredible. (laughs) So that's been a a huge blessing is just being able to keep teaching and keep Mm -hmm. helping people that otherwise maybe couldn't have gotten on a plane and come to travel to one of my hands-on workshops and um, be able to continue to bring in income for our family, Mm -hmm. but, but also just be able to keep connecting with florists and helping them with their bouquet skills that, and it was a really challenging thing for a lot of florists. And it's really something I've worked really hard for years at trying to develop my own technique and now language on how to explain how to do them. Mm -hmm. Specifically teach a very specific style of design, very highly stylized kind of garden style. Right. 
And so I've kind of niched down to really focus on teaching this one thing. And for a long time, I thought, well, I mean, don't I have to teach everything? Like, God, I got to (laughs) be teaching how to wire roses and how to process and how to do this and how to make centerpieces. And I've really, through, I get a lot of coaching and I do a lot of business help. I'm so believe in coaching. Life has been changed through great coaches and mentors and investing in myself. And, you know, I've really been encouraged, like, what are you really passionate about? Niche down. You don't need to teach it all. And it's like, oh, what a relief that I don't have to be a floral school and I don't have to do this and I don't have to talk about bookkeeping. I can just focus on this thing that I'm really good at and that can help people. And so there's been a lot of really good things that have come out for me around what I'm passionate about and how I can really help and how I can move the needle for Mm -hmm. other people. And I don't have to do it all because somebody else is going to do their zone of genius and I can focus on my zone of genius and someone else can do their. And, and we all have a place that we can stand in and support the industry and what we do well. And so I've really found a love and a passion of helping people with bridal bouquets. I feel like that's something I'm really struggled with for a long time and felt like, gosh, I'm not cool enough. Maybe I'm just not talented. And you know, that whole range of emotion of like the imposter syndrome, it's a real thing. It is. I just, live it every day. Oh, every creative yeah. does. We sure do. I we feel sure like if do. we don't live that though, I don't know. It almost like it wouldn't be worth it. Mm. I feel like that bit of a tension mm. that happens once you conquer that tension, right? Once you sort of like get on the other side mm. and it's a daily struggle. For me, at least it is. Of course. You know, and I'm like, all right, you know what? It's this, you kind of need this, you know, a little bit, I think. But what a perfect timing. All of this kind of happened in a weird way. And you're not the only person that I hear, like when they go, (laughs) okay, so pandemic happened. My entire life just came crumbling down as I knew it. But then so many good things kind of came from it, right? So while I agree, it's been a really challenging, heartbreaking year for so many. I mean... Half a million people dead is is not a joke. I mean, just just the numbers alone. But but that's besides the point. It has been a really bad year for a lot of people. Last year, that is, and still part of this. But there's so many silver linings and in, in through all of that that kind of came through. I mean, I went through my own crisis of like, okay, wait a minute, what on earth am I doing? Why am I doing this in the first place? You know, all this stuff. So totally can relate to that. So now that having gone through this, right? And of course, it's not over yet, but the world's opening up. So are you starting to do like hands-on classes again, like an actual live classes again, or are you still in the online realm? Thanks for asking. So I am working, have been working on, (laughs) speaking of (laughs) imposter syndrome, hmm, you know, having been a classically trained florist and having a couple of decades of doing this, I still feel like I'm not enough. You know, I think we all, I I think if you're human, you experience this, especially if you're a creative human, you experience this. And I I heard recently a therapist and I'll circle back to that, your question, but I heard a therapist on a clubhouse call recently say, you know, if you don't struggle a little bit with imposter syndrome, we call that a sociopath. (laughs) And I thought, there you go. That's very helpful. Thanks Thanks for the compliment. (laughs) It was so helpful to hear a trained (laughs) professional therapist say, you are totally normal and human. If you doubt yourself, you are totally human and normal. If you say, gosh, I hope I'm enough. You know, it's, I think that's such a part of the human experience and especially as a creative, which is you know, and I talk a lot about mindset in my classes. I always start with mindset because mm-hmm. although it's kind of this kitschy, trendy thing. It's 80% of everything. Business, personal life, design. I don't care what the 80-20 rule. Whoever ever said that for the first time is a genius. Applies to just about anything and everything. It's crazy to me. Totally. And it was, it was life-changing for me to really go deeper into that and, and really do sort of that deeper work. And and it not only affected how I managed my client relationships, how I showed up creatively, how I parent, how I'm in my marriage. It changed every aspect. And for somebody who struggled with boundaries and getting walked all over, being kind of a pushover, it's like I didn't realize how limiting beliefs were affecting my ability to make money, my ability to take risks in design. I had a very, I was really settled in my limiting beliefs around scarcity and there's not enough and I'm not enough. And this kind of 
inner talk had kept me stuck for years. And so a lot of this stuff is still shows up. Like you said, there's no end goal here to this. It's something that's a practice that takes discipline and work and showing up for. And I don't know a lot of creatives that don't struggle with this stuff. And so I think that it's common. And and I, the therapist on that call, this clubhouse call made a comment and he said, you know, if we can sort of embrace this, if we're not so surprised by it, if we can sort of welcome it almost like an old friend and say, oh, hey friend, I see you there. (laughs) Okay. And then move on (laughs) instead of being kind of owned by it and like, oh, and shame ourselves. Like, I can't believe I'm here again and I'm doubting myself and I should be further along. I should be further along. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can just acknowledge it without the shame of it and say, gosh, there it is again, but I'm going to go ahead and move forward anyway. Right. That's been a really powerful part for me. So with that said, I have been working on this bouquet course for way too long. <laughs> I can't get it on the world because I'm just, I'm, I'm consumed by all the things around it being good enough. And I want it to have this effect and I want it to reach everyone instead of just saying, Hey, I'm going to put this into the world. I have this method. I It's worked for a lot of people. I've helped a lot of people with their bouquets and instead of it being good enough. So admittedly, I'm also sitting in that with my silly bouquet course, but it's hopefully launching in the next month and two months or two. Nice. <laughs> I've been nice. working on it for long enough. So that's my big project that's been in the works for a long time. I didn't want to just create content for the sake of creating it. I really mm-hmm. wanted this to be a meaningful course, a helpful course to really help build some skill and some confidence for designers mm-hmm. for technique in this specific style. And so right. that's coming. <laughs> Amazon workshops are coming back. So I have a little under an acre of property that I live on and I have some a flat part of that acre in turning to a little outdoor workshop area. Yeah, that's just going to be uh, a space that's totally open. So lots of fresh air and it will be shaded and it will be uh, the new space that I hold my own workshops at. So I'll be hosting them here in my home studio. Um, that's and fantastic. It's, yeah, and it's a really lovely yard and we've been working on it for a really long time. It's very wooded and we've just been trying to cultivate it for a long time now and it's slowly making progress. So um, I don't have a big fancy cutting garden. I'm not a farmer. I'm, I'm going to ask people not to cut my landscaping. I'll be bringing flowers <laughs> in. It's not that kind of workshop. Hey, you touch my trees, yeah. you die, okay? Don't, don't you dare. Don't touch my four daffodils that are blooming. I want, I've always craved hosting, you know, hospitality. I came up in a family of my, all my sisters, I have two sisters and we were all in the hospitality industry since we were 14, 15 years old. We were serving at events. That's how I got into the event industry. And, you know, we've always been big on hospitality. And I feel like the purpose of a home is to share it. And I just have always longed to to have more people here in my space and in my home. And um, I don't have an incredibly impressive design studio. When my I'm married to a military guy, so we move every few years. And it's like, I don't want to make the financial investment to re- redo uh, my basement every three years into a fully mm-hmm. fleshed out floral studio. But I'm really interested in having people in the, in the yard and having the space to host. So I'm really excited about this. And I'm going to have a really limited offerings. I'm doing a spring series. So like mid-May, I'll offer a Sunday, Monday mm-hmm. workshop, like mid-June, same thing, Sunday, Monday. Right. And that's when I'm shutting them down for the summer because it's too odd to be outside here in the summer. And then I'll yep. start up in the fall again and just do like an October and a November session. And that's it. So I'm going to take eight students each. So we really have the intimacy and the time to really work on making progress. I feel like if you're in a really big workshop, it's hard to get personalized feedback. And I think the mm-hmm. feedback of working with a mentor or coach or designer who can really articulate what's going on and really help you see what the pain points are can be really transformative for somebody. And even in that five minutes of saying, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Right. I can see that you are holding it here, which is creating this effect. I see that you're a bit of an overstuffer. I want you to pull eight stems out and feel how that feels different. I want you to see if we make these three adjustments, ah, do you see how this opens it up here, here, and here and see this line that we've created. So Mm -hmm. have that feedback is really what I think is so valuable in workshops and in, in making progress because mm-hmm. it's like an online course and I think there's a place for online learning. I've learned a lot online, but if somebody is struggling, oftentimes it's not an information thing. It's an application thing. 
Mm. And so it's really about, we, we tend to just be blind and you can, pro- you can relate to this as a designer, but I'm sure, but like we tend to feel a bit blind to our, to our sort of Achilles heels, if you will, mm-hmm, that, we mm-hmm. kind of, that we've built into our muscle memory that we kind of right. tend to do. And if they're not working, if we're not getting the result, sometimes we really need that outside perspective to say this, this is what's going on. And just and it's go, too close. It's, it's too, too close. close. Sometimes yes. it's way too close for you to see. It just is, you know, even walking away from it and you come back and do the same thing, you get the same result, which is <laughs> no result. Yeah, so, no um, yeah. you know, I, I've been there and you know what, the style that you're teaching, you know, it's something that I personally struggle with, honestly, because that is not my natural go-to design. When it comes to bouquets, for example, when it comes to centerpieces, I can, I, I can let the flowers sing and dance and play and whatnot. <laughs> right. And that's the easiest place to go. It's just so easy. When it comes to bouquets, I love detail. I love intricate designs and all of these things. And I, I like to say I'm really good at that piece, right? I'm not trying to I wasn't trying to toot my own horn in in that side of things, but when it comes to whole garden, very airy, loose design style bouquets specifically, man, do I struggle. Mm, I really do. And and the funny thing is, it's like, it baffles me sometimes, (laughs) you know, I get there eventually, but it's like, I'm fighting this uphill battle from the beginning to the end. So if you see me in your class, don't be surprised, (laughs) you know, but I get what you're saying though. Like I get exactly what you're saying. You know, I've, I've tried and again, I mean, I'm skilled enough designer that I, you know, I can, I can handle it. You know I mean? I can do it. But the fact that I'm approaching it from this like (gasps) kind of place where I'm like, okay, brace yourself. Here's the difficult thing. You know, like it should be that difficult. It's just flowers. It's not rocket science, you know, but yeah, I, I totally get it. And you know what? I understand the value of online education. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I don't like it. I, I really it. don't. Yeah. I don't get the same thing out of it, which is when this pandemic happened. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, speaking of renovating your basement every three years, girl, I just did mine. Oh, okay. About a year ago. I'm, I don't want to go through that again. A, it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I'm in love with my space. I really, truly love my space and my backyard. It's just all of it. Right. But I do not want to go through that renovation process and let alone every whatever move I make. Absolutely not. But then I was going to start, you know, teaching classes again because I really, I like, I so relate to that. I love teaching and I get so much back from mm-hmm. teaching, you know, but my husband goes, well, I mean, you should just do online. I'm like, no, no, I refuse. That's not what I enjoy. I, I don't enjoy it. I'm not going to do it just for sake of doing it. I'm not jumping onto that bandwagon. That's not what I do. So not going to happen. And you know, I'm glad <laughs> in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't do it. It just was not going to bring me joy. So yeah. It's a good, it feels a good hole for those of us who can't travel. There is a lot of designers I want to learn from. I'm always investing in my own education and trying to learn more myself. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. there's people I, I don't want to travel to. It would get very, expensive for me to hop on a plane and learn from every designer I want to learn from. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that there's a there's a way that we can still communicate this information. There's it can be cost prohibitive for people to fly across the country and take a hands-on workshop. So it does meet a need in terms of getting the information out there. And a lot of us can, you know, I, I tell people when they're like, I don't know if I should wait for hands-on with you. I don't know if I should do a one-on-one. I don't know if I should do this. And I'm like, well the very first question is what do you really need it? Do you need it? Do you need it? First of all, do you need a design workshop or do you need to hire a bookie? <laughs> like first figure out, do you really need this? Cause I really, you know, I'm not an inexpensive option. I'm on the pretty high end of floral design workshops, but I charge a lot because I get my students results. And I also have 20 years of experience that I'm really breaking down and, and allow my ability to really understand what the problem is and get into the solution. This is not just like a fun ladies afternoon. These are working, working with designers who are really stuck and really need help. And that is, is expensive. (laughs) It's a business investment to come and learn with me. So I really want to encourage people to take a look at, you know, I, I don't, I encourage people that are really new to flowers. If they 
if there are other ways for them to learn, oftentimes I send them to other places. I'm like, go take this workshop, go through this program, go learn some foundational forestry. You're going to learn foundational forestry in this class. I'm going to start, I'm going to strip you down. We're going to get to the bones and then we're going to build it up, but I'm not the cheapest option. So, you know, if there's other things you can learn other places, that's great. And then you can come to me later, but I definitely vet people, especially for one-on-ones because they're expensive. And I'm like, if there's a better way for you to spend your money, I want you to focus on that. Um, Come back in a year maybe and work with me. So yeah. So I feel like that's been a good, to your point, this is this is a very technically challenging way to design a bouquet. The, mm-hmm. This sort of open, airy, asymmetric, a uh, lot of negative space, very technically challenging. And it's not a intuitive process. There really is a lot of intention in every stem placement, in every, um, it starts, I tell my, my students, like this design process happens in three steps. It's sourcing the right material. So in terms of shape and color, it's it's um, processing and editing the stems a certain way in really maximizing their shape for performing in this certain style of bouquet. And then the assembly process. And right. we talk a lot about making 30-minute bridal bouquets because a lot of students um, go from 60-minute, 90-minute, sometimes two-hour bouquets. Oh my God. The 30 minute bouquets <laughs> using this technique. So there's really foundational thing. I didn't develop the technique. I just have a unique way, I think, of explaining it and teaching it um, that hopefully really helps students. And we also do some perfectionist work. I really, I, we actually build drills into this speed drills to really break some perfectionism down and really work on efficiency because a lot of times with bouquet making, you know, you have to physically balance something in your hand you're creating all these nuanced shapes and lines and that's very hard to do so it is a it is a challenging class and I call it okay boot camp because you know we, we kick your butt a little bit it's it's not like that, yeah, a little butt kicking a little a little bit of pushing out of your traditional comfort zone and a lot of people come to my class that have a lot of experience and they struggle with this very specific style of bouquet so they can whip together in five minutes ten minutes but then we spend 20 minutes pushing them outside their comfort zone and having them take this apart and change this and now move this. Mm -hmm. And so depending on where everybody is, there's something for everyone in that class. And there really is kind of become my passion is really scaling Bokeh Bootcamp to get the information out in an online course to people. Because there are people from out of the country who have wanted to take this class that I can't ship flowers to. And so there is such a need here for bouquet bouquet help that is going to allow students to not overstuff, to make them much more efficiently, to save time, which is going to save them labor and money um, and some headache, right? If you have 10 bouquets to make and they're taking you 90 minutes each, you have a production problem on your hands, right? That's a nightmare. You're going to be up really late. So um, my hope is, is that the technique is simple enough where they can actually teach their teams and train their freelancers, but technically challenging enough where they can really, it's a framework. They can push themselves as far as they want in that technique. So yeah, it's an, it's an awesome class. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, so it's good. Here, here's the thing that you said that I'm like, Ooh, I haven't heard anyone say that, that you're doing your timing challenge. That is Oh, so I teach dental assistants besides, you know, my flower life, right? Yes, so girl. <laughs> that's one of the things that I teach them. I'm like, anything that you actually monitor improves. Anything that you monitor and measure yes. improves exponentially. It is a quote by, I cannot remember by who, but it is spot on. And that's what you're talking about. And this is when I go, okay, so this is it. Like you have three minutes to do this one task, period. So let's see what the sticky points are. You know, I need you to go through the motions like you would. Where are you getting hung up? And more often than not, and this is where I catch myself in making bouquets as well, specifically this particular style, because I so procrastinate and I so like second guess every single piece that I have, I don't do two hour bouquets. That's, uh, that's insanity. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that's just crazy. That doesn't even make business sense, but you know, we got to learn. I mean, my first bouquet was three hours, you know, let's totally. be real. Here. So, um, but yeah, I mean, putting benchmarks, putting that timeline, you know, this is what each, whatever should really take you. Of course, as elaborate things get, things change a little bit and whatever, but I, I love that component because that is such a huge business piece that's 
built into this that, how do I say this? You know, you go to certain workshops and you learn a style, a technique or whatever, but oftentimes you're getting like this cheerleading approach, mm. which we need that cheerleading approach. We need that friend who doesn't matter what you say is going to be like pom-poms on and like, you know, like you got, you go girl, you need that. But when it comes to going and taking actual education and classes and things like that, I like the ones where it just go like, well, that's great, but like, let's see how we're going to make that better. Yeah. You know, and like really that constructive criticism, structural mm-hmm. constructive criticism, because if you say, well, this is not good enough, make it better without any feedback. How do I make it better? Like, okay, I'm going to scratch my head. I'm going to turn around and do the same thing again or very interesting thing. But yeah, no, I love that. I absolutely love that. So now you change from Amy Nicole Floral into the Flower Coach. Yes. I had a big rebrand this year, which was exciting. Yeah. What prompted that? Yeah. So I had been um, working with my web designer for quite a long time. We've been in the the works of a refresh and just a refresh. It wasn't even a full rebrand of of a new website. I mean, gosh, I think we started talking about it two years ago and I had her working. She's a very talented designer. We were really plugging along, making progress and And I was planning on keeping my name. I've had my name for a long time. I've never really loved it that much, but it just is kind of what I've been known as for a long time. And I'm like, well, why change it? Um, It's not broken. And so we had a really honest conversation in the middle of the new web design of her just saying, I think you need a name change. And I was like, no, I don't want to go through paperwork. I don't want the Instagram handle drama. Like, no, I just was so resistant, but open. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have an honest conversation with myself around why I'm so resistant resistant to this. And it was so helpful to have somebody say, I just don't think that this has anything to do with what you're doing now. I ran a wedding and event business for a lot of years and was a professional freelancer for many years. And, you know, teaching always felt like, oh, that's for somebody else. Like, other people with more skills and better, bigger followings get to teach. I don't get to teach. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a household name. You know, I just did not, again, that those limiting beliefs of like, well, what do I have to offer? Right. And so I really was struggling with embracing a new identity. I felt like my old identity felt very safe for me. And I knew that and people knew that. And okay, I'll just, you know, I'll I'll stay safe. I'll just stay safe in this. And she really pushed me to reconsider. And it was an agonizing few months of trying (laughs) to figure out what to call my new, you know, business that I was really going full-fledged into. And I was sitting with her on the phone one day and we really were just kind of hashing it out and and she knows me, you know, fairly well. And she said, you know, you're, you're, you're not just a teacher, Amy, you're like such an encourager. And, you know, I wonder if there's a way to kind of think through that. And I had been pouring through, you know, (laughs) dictionaries and words and just like, oh, the angst. And I said, well, yeah, I'm more like a coach. I feel like a I'm just more of a coach to people. I'm like there to give you the truth, but also there to like encourage you. And I'm not giving you some fluffy answer of like everything you make is beautiful and you're great. People come to workshops for validation and I respect that. I think professionally we need sometimes validation, but also people need real information that's going to actually help them in their actual design work, not just have a feel good moment. There's another piece to that. Um, you know, and I kind of want to bot in here for a minute, Amy. Go for it. I think so often or not that we have so many really amazing educators that are teaching, but they want to be the people pleasers and they're really telling everyone and giving that validation. We all need that. Like I said, we all need that girlfriend that's going to be like full blown, like, you know, (laughs) team Amy or Anahit or whatever. But oftentimes are not when those kind of validations come from educators. And oftentimes it is being done from a place of you know, they want to be nice. I think in a way it does disservice to that person because all of a sudden they think they're better than they actually are. And I don't think that actually helps that particular person to, to grow. You know, I think there's this, like, it's a double-edged sword. We need that fine line of like, Hey, here's how we can make things better or whatever, but this is great. I mean, you're on the right track or whatever, you know, but as a teacher, that is a fine line to walk on. For it sure. is. 
Passionflower Sue, which we have a, a good mutual friend in Susan McCleary, who's a really respected designer in our industry and an amazing teacher. We had um, a, a call or we did an Instagram live together and we talked about kind of our, our seven top or nine top phrases in floral education that are sticky for us that don't sit right. <laughs> we kind of have a very similar philosophy on teaching. And Okay, I got to hear those now. Oh, it's fantastic. It was such a good call. And we were really like respectful that everybody's got a different take, but there are phrases that we have heard in floral education for a lot of years, like um, we just use, trust your gut, right? Use design by intuition, throw away the rules, start by throwing away the rules and just lead, follow the flowers. I'm not saying that any of these kinds of statements are malicious. I love and respect my fellow colleagues that use these phrases. What Sue and I were sort of highlighting is that these can actually be really damaging for a newer designer who's trying to learn the rules. They're trying to understand how to put something together. And the reality is, and and Sue really goes into this, she's a much smarter woman than I am, and she really gets into like the golden ratio and the math of how design works and really gets into the the technical sides of this, which I just love and, and respect and appreciate about her. But having come from classical training, there's two sides to that as well. I learned the, the rules, but I also got stuck in plateaued in a very kind of, this is how it has to be. And that's been very limiting perspective for me for many years as a creative and designer. So right. a lot of my very successful, much more successful colleagues, you know, in the floral industry that have no formal training, take these amazing risks with color and form and gesture and concept that I could never come up with. And I, you know, I'm just like, wow, just in awe of so much creativity in our industry. And, you know, I do struggle with coming up with new ideas and struggle with new concepts and feel oftentimes like I've plateaued as a designer, you know? So I think there are, there is such a benefit to both. I think there's a benefit to having classical training. I think there's a benefit to not having had these kind of stymie rules that you feel held back by. But what Sue and I are talking about is when you're teaching, that's really where the rules help, right? And the rules are what we both really believe and sort of the drum that we both kind of beat is that all of us are following rules, that none of us have grown out of the principles and elements of design. And that if we shift our mindset and perspective to not see them as constraints or shackles, that actually the deeper that we travel into the principles and elements, the more robust we become as designers, the more eclectic rule bending and rule pushing, because it's not just about learning the rules to break them. I don't even really think there's such a thing. We all live in this construct of geometry and light and shape and form, and we're still all working generally with very similar material. And so there really isn't like this this realm of where you are just, you have graduated into such an epic place where the rules (laughs) don't apply. Like you still apply to gravity and physics and like you're still dealing with a area that you're trying to fill with something. So we're all still not, you know, we're all still working within balance and color and form and line. And so instead of saying, we don't need the rules, um, let's embrace the rules and let's actually understand them more deeply so that we can actually grow and become whatever kind of designer we want to become. So we had a really good conversation. It's no longer on my Instagram. I was kind of tidying up and cleaning up my Instagram a bit, my Instagram TV, but it's still on hers. And it's such a good conversation because again, we mean no disrespect to our colleagues, but I often, this is part of the reason I started teaching is I'm kind of a workshop junkie and I'm a little bit addicted to flower education. And I would just take all these workshops every single year and spend so much money. And I would go to these workshops and I would hear a lot of narrating. I would hear a designer get up and and talk and narrate their process. Now I'm going to place this here and now I'm going to add this. And I feel like this area needs some tulips, right? And I feel like this needs to be a little taller and that's fine. But the problem for the student is that isn't helpful when you're in your studio trying to diagnose what's wrong with your arrangement. So instead of narrating, teaching is really saying, I'm adding tulips because 
of this reason. There, I, I need to add height because I have a proportion issue. Now, if you see the height of the container, do you see how this feels imbalanced, that there's an imbalance issue? And so by raising the height of this, now I have a more visually, physically balanced arrangement, right? That's teaching something and helping the student understand the construct and the why behind those design decisions, behind those placement decisions. Without that, that's really an entertaining, fun, beautiful thing to watch. But really move the needle for the designer who's maybe struggling, trying to understand how to become a better, more skilled designer. So that's why I started teaching is I thought, gosh, there there's room here in our industry for somebody to talk about the why behind how design works. And I think that I can help. I think I can actually help designers actually learn and understand the why so that they can go back home and actually self-diagnose in the middle of their work and say, here's a, a checklist of things I need to do. Is this a color issue? How do I fix that? Is this a balance issue? Where do I do? What do I do? Where's the lie? Where's the focal? Where's the visual lines? Where's the visual pathways in this thing? Mm. So that's really why I started teaching and what I love doing. <laughs> no, I totally understand that. And, you know, I do disagree on one thing that you said, though. I, I, I think I think I agree with 90 percent of what you said, except the parts that like, you know, there are, you know, rules to be broken. I break every rule <laughs> on purpose. Ah, OK. Right. So and I don't even know if it's like I disagree or agree. It's just uh, the way I kind of think of it is rules are important. We all need the rules and it's not rules are it's the, the word of rules really doesn't encompass. Right. right? Does that make sense? Right. It's yeah. the, it's the laws of physics and nature as they talk to each other. So understanding whether it's the Fibonacci theory we're talking about or the color theory we're talking about and, 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 and then we see all of this in architecture. We see it in nature. We see it in fashion. We see it in so many places. Forget the flowers. Take the flowers out of the equation. Let's talk at it, talk about it from perspective of I'm approaching this as an art form, as an art piece. Is it harmonious? At the end of the day, is it harmonious in my color scale, in my you know, overall scale of the design in my ratio, how, I don't know, my container relates to my design as far as the height and the width and the whatever, all this stuff, the texture, the depth, all of these pieces together. And it, it all kind of bounds to come back to principles and elements of design. And these are not unique to floral design. These are everywhere. I mean, it, it just is. And the the funny thing is, once you understand that there's things, there's this reverse thing that happens when you see anything at all. Mm -hmm. The minute you apply the principles and elements of design down to starting from a building, okay, right? Or an art piece, like an actual art sculpture or a painting or whatever, you're like, you know, this works. Why does it work? And oftentimes, I, and I've done this exercise myself, every time I see something, I'm like, I am so drawn to this and I don't know why. I need to dissect this. And you sit back and you kind of dissect it with literally, like you said, with the checklist that the principles and elements, like you start applying those things, it immediately makes sense because at least three of those things are done so well. Not necessarily every principle and element is executed well enough. However, there are three really, at least three really strong points that just come forward like nobody's business. And you're like, huh, okay. And some people are just so intuitively good at it. And, you know, and we're like, am I creative? Am I not? Everybody's creative. It's just, I, to me, it's also training muscle right? Understanding these pieces and learning. You know, if you don't know color theory, you're not going to be able to say these are complementary colors. These are triadic. These are whatever the, the, the thing is. Again, it goes back to learning the A, B, C, Ds before you form a word and a sentence and so on. And then you can write a novel and you can be as provocative as you want to be in your novel. That's how you break the rules, if that makes any sense. I don't know. At least that's how I sort of think about all of those, yeah. right? I think Tommy Gilliam, who's obviously, you know, one of the greats of our modern time in floristry, we sort of invited her to this conversation on the back end around sort of these misnomers, as we kind of call them. And, and she had a similar perspective. She said, you know, when you're when you're a newer designer, when you you do need a strong foundation and and her sort of take on it, and I hope I don't misquote her here, but her take on it was she doesn't see it as so much as breaking the rules. She she talks about it sort of as bending them, right? Of deeper expression of them that maybe isn't in a textbook around this combining with this, right? It's it's that 
the, the rules are still, like you said, how do you define the rules? And really the rules is just simply acknowledging that there is the principles and elements are at play, whether it's architecture or art, or even in looking within nature in and of itself, right? So they're always there, they're always at play. And our sort of creative expression of them is what we're bending and playing with and sort of rubbing up against the edges of, you know, our creative limits or the limitations of a particular vessel, the limitations of a particular mechanic. Um, And so I think that we're probably saying the same thing in the sense that we're all playing by these similar rules and it isn't helpful for a newer designer to feel like, okay, I don't need them. I'll just go with my gut. Well, what, what if your gut doesn't know what to do next? What if your gut feels wrong, right? So there's oh. a framework. Yeah, there's a framework that I think is really missing in a lot of floral designers' toolkits. There is a lot of foundational information because a lot of people are self-taught or they will learn from somebody else that didn't have any kind of training. And so there's a lot of sort of confusion and people teach such different things. And so I try to level set and say, listen, this is one way of doing it. The way I do it is one way. You have to figure out what works for you, but I'm going to teach you what has worked for me over and over and over and is foundational floristry 101. You are going to clean every single stem and every single leaf off. That is the very first step. And we talk so much about why that actually matters. Oh my God, that's such a basic thing. And it makes such a big difference when you're actually working. Yes. <laughs> we talk about why. Yes. We talk about the fact that you cannot glide your stem up and down. And we talk about functionally, if you have all this excess weight, you're making, you're adding excess weight. If you are trying to glide a stem up or down, which is the key to creating loose and airy bouquets is to have freedom in that stem movement. If you can't glide that stem because it's full of all these little bits and pieces and things you need to clean off, you're going to trash your other stems. You're going to damage things. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a reason for every single thing we do. And to actually talk about it, my class is six and a half, seven hours long because there's so much to cover around, not just like, well, I don't know. I just feel like using lilac today. And here I just make this X and then I just kind of add some stuff. All right, your turn. I mean, I spent $900 <laughs> on a workshop once and that was literally the gist of the lesson. Make an X with your stems. She used like 16 stems of lilac. It was beautiful, but it was like, all right, what do you mean? Go for it. Where's the lesson? There's no lesson here. So we really, really get into it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so good. And you know what, what else I wanted to kind of say this as, as you're talking here and I'm sitting and thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? So many times that I, I mean, I personally have this moment. I don't know if you've had this and other people had it. Right. So where you were like time bound that you have to do this project. So you were like super passionate about, I got to do this thing or whatever. Right. Great. This is awesome. We got to do this. Perfect. And then the day comes and you're like, so uninspired. Maybe, I don't know, you woke up in a wrong food. Maybe something else happened. You know what saves you at the end of the day, those rules and the basics, because the minute you're uninspired and you go back to the (laughs) basic, it reignites it back up. And that's my go-to when I'm like completely inspirations out. I'm like, you know what? I know how to do this. I know how to do this mechanically. My body knows how to do this mechanically. I can do this. And then all of a sudden that inspiration kind of comes back because it it kind of ignites it back up in any case. So that was just one of the things I was like, oh my God. I mean, rules, again, the rules are not the really right word for it. I don't even know what the right word for that is. It's like a framework. Yeah. You know, uh, but the language, right? Understanding how these relationships work with each other in any case. So yeah, I can go on forever about this, Amy. And I feel like we can talk about all of this. I know. Thanks for letting me share my heart on all this. Oh my God. This is yeah. Talk about it forever. Oh, same, 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 yeah. same. So, quick fire questions. We yes. have a few more minutes left yes. here, so I'm going to do a quick fire question Let's for you. It. So, what was the most difficult thing you you ever had to do in floral? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that is the hardest question. <laughs> I would say this is a much long. This is a long story, but I will say that there was a very traumatic event where a, 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 I was freelancing and a giant hoopa fell over about oh my five minutes before the ceremony started. It's a very high-end wedding in Orange County. And I was I was still pretty early in my career. And there was about 20 designers working on this project. And it was absolutely terrifying. 
having to clear that lawn of shattered, just shattered glass, shattered waste. I mean, we're talking, I know you're big into orchids. It was, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of phalaenopsis. Oh my God. Um, again, the story's long, but basically the somebody at the very end just lifted the side of it to tuck a piece of fabric under and the whole thing hit the ground, shattered. And I had been working on an arch at the front of the aisle. So we, me and my you know, other designer friend dragged the arch up. So they had something to get married under. And it was probably one of the most stressful moments of my floral career. It wasn't even my event. I was just a low, low, low on the totem pole designer, but ah, I'll never still. forget it. Yeah. I literally to this day just sends chills down my spine that that still, was. Yes. So what's the best thing that ever happened in a floral design for you? Gosh, that is such a good question. <sighs> I mean, to be honest, I think to keep teaching, I got to speak at Team Flower last year in front of 300 floral designers and, you know, just walking around the hotel and having people come up to me and say, you know, your, your teachings really impacted me or I took a classroom you and I changed my life or I had this, you know, that I didn't feel alone because you were talking about this thing and you were being honest about your own stuff. I mean, I think all my years of being sort of silently hidden, tucked away, in my, helping other people build their businesses, making other people look good for a lot of years. I think a lot of years of just grinding it out in the trenches and, you know, a lot of damage to my body, a lot of injury I've faced has felt like everything has come to this point where I can help other people. And that has been the most rewarding thing in my whole career. No, not a publication, not the Kim Kardashian event. I did. You know, it's like the most important thing for me is a designer saying, hey, you helped me in this way. And that's changed my business this way. And I, I think those are the moments that I am going for. That's what I'm hoping for is to keep teaching and keep sharing and keep encouraging designers to take better care of themselves, to work smarter and not harder, to work more profitably, to work more intentionally, and to believe that they're worthy of their work. You know, I didn't believe that for a lot of years. And so, you know, I want to teach foundational floristry, but also um, help florists stay relevant, stay on brand, stay on style, because this is a trendy look and it's hard to do. And so I want people to feel confident that they can book those brides that they want to go for and be able to feel like they're not falling behind that they're doing great work they can feel proud of mm -hmm. and that's really been the highlight of all of these years of grinding it out so I think that's it's come really full circle for me <laughs> fantastic so if you couldn't do flowers mm -hmm. what would you do I think I would have been a hairstylist <laughs> Okay. I think I, I, I would have actually loved, yeah, I think I would have loved stand talking and standing all day and working with my hands and creating. I think there's some similarity there. You know, you're shaping and kind of sculpting and chatting and like, there's just an energy there that like, I think I would have made a great hairstylist and I'm, okay. I've always been very artistic, but I think, you know, they can also kind of work for themselves and they can kind right. of have a little bit of entrepreneurship, like, you know, flavor. And um, yeah, I, I really think that's what I would have gotten into. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> and then going back to, you know, like five, six, seven year old Amy. Oh, what girl. Would you tell her? Oh, you my can God. Tell her one thing that you think that would actually make oh. a huge impact on her. Oh, life. you're going to make me cry. I mean, let's talk, talk about some inner child work. I mean, those are some really, I'll be honest, those are some really painful years for me. No, that's okay. No, I talk about this all the time, but I had a lot of trauma growing up and there was some abuse and it was, it was not an easy time, but God, I would have told her, Ooh, here comes the tears. I, I would have told her that she's enough. You know, I would have told her she's enough that she didn't have to strive for uh, performing, you know, that she didn't have to accomplish or strive or, you know, try to earn her love that she was totally whole and, that she was whole no matter what she accomplished, you know, and I think that that craving and that desire to be enough has has been a challenge my whole life to to be a bit of a workaholic to earn um, a level of good enoughism. <laughs> you know, here's your stamp. You're good enough. You made it. Um, you know, yeah, it's like that's take it that good enoughism. It's like that's that drives a lot of us. And I think that 
you know, in those early formative years. And that's what I hope to do with my own son is to tell a new story for him around his worth and his, what he does in the world and what he contributes, that he's whole just the way he is. And that, um, there's meaning and value to all of us that is apart from our floral work and our careers and our accomplishments. And that, um, I can sort of rest in that instead of kind of this constant drive for more, more validation, more accomplishment, more events, more money, whatever. It's like, you're, you're enough. You're enough. So um, if somebody would have sat me on their lap and said that, I probably would have changed my life. And if I believed it. You know? <laughs> that was going to be my next question. What would she say back? Be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, thank you for going there. And thank you. That was, that was really deep. And <laughs> yeah. And in hindsight, as I'm sitting here, as you're saying this, seems to me that you have been doing that for the industry through your teaching, it seems. Whether that was part of, of course, it partially it is from your experiences and so on. And I think it is, and I could be wrong, but it, to me, it seems like that is where your passion is driving from. Hugely. Usually I've been through um, some really traumatic things in my life through health, major health crises. I've, you know, um, chronic health warrior, you know, major physical stuff, you know, near death experiences and um, a lot of emotional trauma and abuse as a child. So there's a lot of healing that's been happening over the last 20 years and I've been really active in that recovery, but even at 38, 39 years old, you know, I'm still, there's still a lot there to recover and heal from. And I think what's made me a great teacher is that I can hold a lot of space for people in their process, that I understand what it feels like to be stuck. And I understand what it feels like to be really held captive by limiting beliefs that are either there because of trauma or there because of, you know, a lack of confidence or esteem, but there's usually a deeper reason why we're stuck. And sometimes it's technique. Sometimes people just need great techniques, but a lot of times there's a deeper reason. And so by openly talking about this and sharing and encouraging and letting people know part of my story, um, my hope is that it, it pushes them to also be brave with their story to say, maybe there's some things I need to really look at. Maybe I need to get professional help here, here, and here. Maybe I need to read a, a book on this topic around boundaries and, and healing and trauma that can help me show up in my business better, to better serve my clients, to better serve my staff, to better take more risks, right? So there, I kind of, you know, talk about this, like I'm a holistic teacher because we're talking <laughs> about wellness and not the trendy way of but looking at the whole person instead of just saying, that's a lovely bouquet. It's like, well, how, what's going on underneath this that's keeping you stuck and encouraging people to continue that conversation with themselves long after the workshop. Girl, you gave me so much thing to think about. I'm like, why am I struggling? You might <laughs> <laughs> And that's why, that's why, that's why the business is called the floor. Oh my God, one thing I struggle with, it's the loose and airy. Come on down, come on down. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. I, I needed that though. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And thank you. So welcome. I felt like a coach slash therapy slash a whole lot of good enough of them going up. All right, Amy. Oh my God. This, this was amazing. I really, I really enjoyed our conversation so and uh, please continue doing what you're doing. And as soon as your workshops are up and running, girl, we got to share this on, you know, the audience. I'm super excited about it. And I'd love to see your space. I'm so excited about your Come oh. down anytime. You're more close enough too. This is crazy, right? <laughs> And yes. I need to come see your space and you see all do. your hellamores because I know you have such a hellamore collection. Girl, I, I didn't even know how it happened. Apparently, they cross-pollinate with each other, which I didn't know. I didn't plant that many varieties. Now I'm having this crazy new varieties that are coming up. I'm like, where do you come from? But I'm so... I have this yellow burgundy mixture. It's like, wait, where did it come from? I never bought a yellow burgundy, you know? Anyways, yes, I'll send you some pictures afterwards. Like, it's been raining today. I was going to take some photos and share and so on. But They're anyways... My but yeah, so my 100 um, episode, whenever that 
kind of starts rolling. I think I want to throw a big party because I'm just so sick of isolation. I need a party. So you're coming. <laughs> Invite me. I'm there. Oh, I'm yes. going to celebrate. All right, thank Amy. Thank you so well, much for having me. It's yes, been such a thank joy. you. And uh, where can people find you? Yeah, Share okay. um, it'll be in the show notes, of course. Yeah. But, you know. Super active on Instagram. A lot of overly, overly active on Instagram in terms of spending too much time on there and doom scrolling and DMing. So uh, at the floral coach underscore. Um, and then I have a Facebook group for florists. It's free. It's just an open place to come and share and be encouraged and support each other at the floral coach. Um, I have a YouTube channel full of just tons of really basic foundational things, how to tape a vase, how to use floral tape, how to use a floral knife, just really foundational things. All of them are under like five minutes long. So it's been a helpful resource for a lot of people. I also am on Clubhouse and I'm doing more moderating and more rooms. And so I know it's not open to everybody yet with Android phones, but I'm really excited to continue um, talking about some of these more intimate, meaningful things that have been impactful for me in my career and just continue the conversation there on Clubhouse because it's so interactive. We can share. So I do a hot seat live coaching every Friday with my friend, Christina Berrigan of Floor Society. And so we, every Friday, pick three people and just help them with their business and kind of talk through their marketing pain points or design pain points and kind of hash all that out. And then of course, on my email, I have a floral blog and I also have um, just a lot of information I'm going to be sharing more about, a lot of Instagram lives and things like that. So Instagram is kind of a jam. I really love Instagram and I I really have um, just met so many people all over the world that, um, you know, are that are just awesome. And so I'm really <laughs> love connecting with people through Instagram. So I'd say that's the, my go-to. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're always adding new resources. I have a, a new partner and she's going to be handling a lot of content creation for me. I have so many ideas of things I want to create and that can help designers. And so um, more coming, a lot more coming down the pipeline. So thanks for the time and interview. It's been really fun to, to talk about what I'm doing these days and, and how I'm hoping to help designers grow. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Amy, again. And everyone will share all of this in the show notes till we chat again. Yes. Be well, friend. Bye. So what did I tell you, you guys? So I'm pretty sure most of you know where to find Amy. And if you don't, don't worry. All the links are in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. And if you haven't signed up for any of our book giveaways, there's a link in the show notes as well. Be sure to sign up for that. But other than that, I just have one other quick favor to ask from you guys if you like this show and if you jive with it maybe some other people would so share it with a friend you know tell people about it leave us a review let's connect on instagram you know this is all about connecting sharing educating and inspiring so with that said have a, an amazing day i'll talk to you later well it's a wrap Thank you, everyone, for listening, for tuning in to Viva La Flora Live podcast. We'll see you next week.